We grow when we give. We grow when we give. We grow when we give. Nosotros crecemos cuando damos. We grow when we give. We grow when we give. Welcome to ROG, Return on Generosity. I'm your host, Shannon Cassidy. This podcast celebrates generosity at work, not financial giving. Giving valuable time, mutual respect, alternative perspectives, and genuine collaboration. How many of you love to watch A&E, Lifetime, The History Channel, Lifetime Movies, FYI, or Viceland? Well, today, our very special guest is Karen Gray. And since 2019, she has been the Executive Vice President of Human Resources for A&E Networks Group. I appreciate your unique mix of human resources, legal, and business expertise. Welcome to ROG, Karen. I can't wait to learn from you. So let's start off with a little bit of the life story of Karen Gray. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. I can't wait to learn more from you. Let's start off with a little bit about you. Karen Gray, tell us tell us some of your life story. Okay, well, I'm 50, so there's a lot of life stories. I'll do the condensed version. Kid grew up in the suburbs, always wanted to be one of two things, a lawyer or a psychologist. But I went through college and I did this thing that uh, young kids do in college or people that might not be as thoughtful like I was. And I said, what does one do after a great liberal arts education? Uh, and you go to law school. And I, I went to law school. I thought I was going to be a litigator. The best thing I have ever done in my life still is represent children in the Boston Juvenile Court. Um, it was an incredible experience and I learned a lot there. But then at a law firm, one does not do that. One does a lot of big memos for partners. And I thought this cannot be my life. Um, moved into corporate law and because I saw corporate lawyers filling in documents. And I thought this is more my speed than writing big, long memos. Went to a great company after my law firm, uh, Reuters, which is now Thomson Reuters, which has had a few uh, go-rounds where I had the pleasure of working in both commercial and media space. Uh, took a turn into the art world. Uh, I failed art in seventh grade. So this was kind of a weird career choice. But I went in as general counsel of Christie's uh, there for a few years. And I was so thrilled that Christie's gave me the opportunity to move into a few areas. And I moved from being a lawyer into the business side. And then I moved from the business side into my chosen career. It's the best career I could imagine being in, which is human resources. And now I can combine the career I love with the industry I love. I've never been so happy. That's incredible. And what a marriage of all of those strengths and life experiences. I think that all of us can relate to that unknowing of like, what am I supposed to do with my life? And what am I here to, to do? And I should say, you know, in a podcast on generosity, um, it was due to the generosity of people, right? Taking time. And then I can pinpoint every step on my journey along the way where somebody took time to give of themselves, give of their time, show me a new path, uh, show me a new uh, way of doing things, give me feedback that maybe I didn't want to hear at the time, but it was useful. And so it, it ties in so beautifully. And I think without people uh, that were generous towards me, I could never have been where I am and so happy as I am today. Absolutely. Could you share a, an example or two of those moments or those individuals who invested in you and were so generous to you? I remember in my law firm, the mid-year associate, just taking an interest in me and saying, you can be put on this project on your own and then saying to the partner, she, she can do this. And so again, like I was a relative stranger and it's just these moments where people say, you know, I see something and I'm willing to go out on the limb for this other person. 
So those are two that just stand out to me. And and of course, I talk to my boss, Paul Buccieri, who I, I tease him all the time. You get so embarrassed. I'm like, you're the best boss ever. But when I think of the little things, I, I the defining moment for me is when I started. And I had, you know, been through some experiences in life. And sometimes people tell you that you don't want to hear your particular voice or don't speak up or it's not welcome here. And I remember walking into Paul's office and I'd almost been trained to not speak and to do the, oh, it could be this or this, you make the decision. And he said to me, I hired you because I want to hear what you have to say. And I appreciate that. And to me, there is this moment of I, I have this seat at the table and it's not just a seat I'm being heard and a sense of belonging. And when I think about why I love my job so much, I think it goes back to that moment where I felt free to be myself in my career. And I think especially now in this time where we're so, unfortunately, I think socially polarized and fraught. You know, I told the story without telling ethnicities, but in my stories, they're white men, white women, men of color, uh, women of color, and LGBTQ, um, heterosexual. So I've also um, had the benefit of having mentors from everywhere and that people were open to me as a black female and I was open to them. And I, and I think also that's something for people to remember that there's wisdom and generosity everywhere. And I think we tend to these days get very polarized and people that are like me are the ones I talk to and we lose a lot doing that. I agree completely. And I think that's a great encouragement to us to check our own bias, check our own rules or our, our the limitations that we may have and what we perceive as a, a mentor or somebody who could be really helpful to us. So tell me more about Paul. I mean, he is a legend. And I know you have this culture of kindness at a and &E Networks Group, which he leads and so do you. So tell us a little bit about Paul and the culture at a and &E Networks Group of kindness. So when I was looking for jobs and you do your research on a company and I thought, well, what is this company with this value of kindness? I've never seen this before. I've got to, I've got to, I want to speak to these people. And, and I, I, it is permeates throughout this culture. And it is because we have a leader that leads by example, by doing it and talks about it all the time. So sometimes in organizations, the CEO will talk about business and then there's the handover to HR and that, you know, and then oh, here's the culture time HR and HR trots up and, and does their thing. I noted when I started that Paul led with culture before he talked about business and then ended with culture after he talked about business because there's not a separation in our culture. One it leads to the other success. And then you get excited and things are going well with business. And then people are excited about the culture. It's this virtuous circle. And we talk about this a lot. People sometimes confuse kindness with avoiding direct conversation. But actually, kindness is equal to direct conversation. And if you don't have direct conversations, if you're afraid and in a business, when something's not going right, to say, you know, this isn't going right, but say it respectfully, then you have a problem in your business. On the flip side, when we're doing that, when we're saying this isn't going right, but I have to be kind and respectful when I convey this information to you. Now, both parties or multiple parties are in a place where they can think through and get to the issues. And exactly your point about how it's not necessarily easy. It's certainly not soft. It's thoughtful. It's intentional. It's respectful. And that you're saying, please direct your focus on the individual that you're having the issue with or have that direct conversation, give that feedback. Oh my gosh, thank you for saying that because feedback is, it is a gift, right? Sometimes gifts come in brown paper bags and sometimes they come in white boxes with big red bows, but either way, it's a gift. And so you're saying, 
we want to have a culture where feedback is the norm, that it's not this word that makes people go run for cover, but it's rather like a light where we say, I need to go towards that because that's my ticket to either getting recognition for what I'm doing really well or direction on what I need to change. Yeah, and you're right. And, and it's exactly right. And feedback, as you're saying, is not easy. I mean, we love to give good feedback, but I think good feedback without constructive feedback becomes meaningless, right? It's like, good job, right? And it doesn't have anything behind it. Uh, and I think what makes feedback hard is just, it's a muscle. So I love to swim. I love to swim. And when I'm out of the water for a while, you feel heavy and slow and you've got to, you know, sometimes I stop and complain to my swim coach and she gets irritated, but you push through. And and I always say to people, feedback is just another muscle that you're exercising. And you know, like any exercise, once you do it for a while, you get good at it, you get used to it. And you realize that if you're awkward at giving it, it feels awkward. As you get more comfortable giving it, the conversation becomes infinitely easier. And that's where we're trying to get everybody too. And remember that it is a gift and it's about the person that you're giving it to. And if you give it more frequently, it does not feel like I just got hammered one day when I walked in versus, okay, I've had little pieces and I've had this opportunity to adjust and we're on the same page. And I just feel better about my culture and environment. I think one of the best pieces of advice, uh, a friend's husband, a friend had to lay somebody off. It's one of the most horrible things. I don't care how bad the person is. It, it's just a bad thing, tough thing to do. She was angsting over this. And her husband said to her, actually, the person who's getting laid off is the person you're going to talk to. So you're putting a lot of energy into yourself. It's much worse for this other person. So think about them. And she reported this back to us. And I have never forgot that because I, I, her husband was incredibly wise. And I always, I think about that. It's, it's about the other person. It also makes it easier for you when you do that. You're no longer the kind of neurosis of self. And it's much easier to give to somebody else and think of it as this gift. Absolutely. That's great encouragement. So tell us about the company town halls and the discussions. These were created as an open forum to educate and inform and give people a place where they could voice concerns. So I'm curious to know about the format, how it started, the kinds of things that you talk about. Yes, there is a lot behind this. We, you know, we did an employee survey two years ago, and one of the pieces of feedback was we, we did well on the survey. There's always room to improve. And one of those areas was communication. Communicate to us more, explain how decisions are made. So we were already instituting a culture where we were ramping up the communications that we were having. Of course, COVID, we really were thoughtful and said at least once a week, people are hearing from Paul, first of all, me uh, from as HR perspective and maybe other executives. Then obviously the George Floyd murder and tragedy happened. And there was a lot um, that the employees were going through. And we said, we've got to find a way and a forum for us to express this. And we started our cultural town halls as one of a multi-pronged diversity, equity, and inclusion strategy. There's always nervousness when you do this, right? When you have an open forum on very sensitive issues with employees. But we have been really proud of how they've gone. You know, our first one, we have a, a great person with whom we work, Joshua Dubois, who works with us on, on cultural moments. And our, we had a great internal um, executive, Mark Gardner, and they just sat and talked about race and the history of race. And employees came to me and they said, that was great, but we wanna talk about ourselves. So I said, okay, you've got a platform. And from then on, we've had people talk about, um, you know, gender, intersectionality, uh, Latino, Latina experience, um, other women's experience, AAPI. So all that has been happening and these are employee-led and people get excited because the employees are setting them up. They're thinking it through. They're getting practice being on a panel. They're getting practice moderating and hosting. So there's a learning and development aspect that comes to it. But 
We have 500 to 1,000 people attending any of them, and we're about a 1,900-person company, so it gives you a sense of the level of engagement. Uh, they've been hugely successful, and now it's just having enough months in our lifetime to do all that we want to do with these town halls. When we come back, Karen will share with us how A&E leverages cultural and business town halls. Hello, I'm Joe Panfield, President and CEO of the T. Howard Foundation. We fulfill our mission to increase diversity in the media industry by offering college students paid internships with major media companies. As a result of their internship experience, nearly 200 of our interns are hired every year in communications, marketing, and even on-air talent. For more information about our program, visit t-howard.org. And we're back with Karen Gray, Executive Vice President of Human Resources for A&E Networks Group. So the cultural town halls are specifically around issues relevant to the particular group and allies. So, you know, talk about African-American, Black, the API community, Latina, Latina, gender. So we'll talk about issues relevant to the group that's hosting it and we'll come together. At the same time, we also do run business town halls and we have different people in the business talking about what they do. And that's really a lot of fun, too, because you get to see all aspects of the business, people you haven't seen in the business before, and we're having a lot of fun with them. We have some great celebrities with whom we work that will pop in and, and do a couple fun clips. It's fun working for a media company. Um, and so you have both on the one hand, cultural teachings and also business teachings. And the business ones, we are incorporating discussions about diversity, equity, inclusion, because we believe it's a fundamental part of the business, which is what I like as well. So it's not business. And then, oh, by the way, there's this DEI forum and we've met, made them separate. So so we're finding ways to loop everything we're working on into these various town halls. That's terrific. And you said that it was in effort to increase your communication and to improve how you're communicating and use different mediums and, and ways in which to do that. And then there's also the psychological safety component to it. So talk to me about the impact that, that it has had on employees around psychological safety? Yeah, you know, safety is this really hard thing because it requires a, a measure of trust on both sides. So fundamentally, it requires the leadership team to be doing their jobs to ensure that when we say we're open, we're an inclusive environment, we want to hear your voice, it's not with the fingers crossed behind our back and, oh, you spoke up and now there's consequences. And I think we have been doing that very well. And then it requires, you know, trust requires somebody else coming across and saying, I'm going to trust that you mean what you say. And our employees have done that. And when each time they do these and they see, oh, nothing negative has happened. In fact, they get so much praise for speaking up, for being in this new leadership position, for driving things forward. It becomes this prophecy where we see more and more people wanting to get involved. I'm a big metrics person. So this anecdotal is lovely, but I like to track. And so we did a second employee survey where we're measuring some of these issues. And we went up in literally every single category that we measured in the survey and blew past media benchmarks and our own scores last year. So this year we've had this focus and we see a 10 point increase in inclusion. Well, and it's 12 or something communication. We're, we're getting the feedback that what we're doing is working. So there's an anecdotal and then there's the, the test and we're, we're passing the test. Yes. Oh, you're so right about that. The data tells it all. It gives us the measure of success. Are we actually making a difference? Does this matter? Is this working? So 
what are you most excited about when <laughs> that you're seeing in the data? <laughs> so I got, you know, I, I get super excited. I don't know why I'm, I'm such a data person, but the data is, so you see these upticks. And when you think the company was always working in areas of diversity, equity, and inclusion, but when you see that you fast forwarded it in June and that there's a 10 point increase and the employees are saying, I see what, what is happening. I feel more included. I had an employee and I, I so appreciated this, take the time to call me the other day. And she said, I was trying to write an email, but I couldn't express it. I wanted to tell you, she was crying, that I feel the difference and I'm so happy and I'm doing different things. And not only am I doing interesting things in my own role, the different initiatives that you are doing and that I've been involved with has allowed me to spread my wings and meet new people. That, when I get those emails and, and get those those measurements of success, they're, they're phenomenal. And so we see the change. There's always more to do. I'm never, I'm never satisfied. So I want us to keep the mountain as an infinite mountain and I, we're always going to keep climbing to the top, but it's, um, it's it's the the space that we're creating and the the data that we're getting back from it are so um, are so encouraging from what we're trying to do. I think from an organizational perspective, we are 52 48, 52 female, 48 male. We do have an option for non-binary, and as of yet, nobody has checked that. So while we are um, respectful and appreciate it, right now we have only male and female numbers. Um, and also, I, I like it because at the uh, VP and higher, so a lot of times organizations will talk to you about the broad and you and but oh there's this weird drop off at senior levels at our senior levels we are 53% female 47% male at VP and higher so um, it has always been an organization that's we've had you know two female CEOs um, preceding Paul our lifetime network has done amazing work in um, women's around women's issues and in the space and so I'm very proud of that and we will continue to to, to um, dive into that. I, the area where in full transparency, we want to do even more is around um, racial minorities. We're about 31% uh, people of color, including two or more races. But when it gets more senior, uh, the, the, the percentages go down to 20%, 17% above VP. So we're looking to understand why that's happening and what more we can do on that. You know, again, metrics, when I look at our survey, I was very pleased that every single group, men and women responded the same to the survey both very positive. So that's great. You look at that and say, okay, you know, our, our, we always have to keep an eye on it, but that's working. But minorities, we did see every minority was happier. So across the board and every white person. So every racial group was happier, racial ethnic group was happier, but we did see some differences. So we want to look at that and, and understand how we, how we go about that. But I think leaning into our work in diversity, will continue to see those numbers shift in a positive way because that's the truth. Absolutely. And I think the point you made earlier about feedback and those performance conversations and what is of interest to you and how can I help you and what are ways in which you could develop and evolve into eligibility for that particular role. So really looking at the full spectrum of a person's career trajectory internally and looking for opportunities to grow and develop individuals. I think that's always a great investment of time and a generous thing to do. So you spoke about being in the media industry and that you have great, incredible content. What, how do you use that platform as an opportunity for more inclusivity? And how do you use that platform so responsibly? 
I think it's fundamental. Media companies have such a broad range and ability to do this. And, you know, I mentioned our lifetime brand and, the, you know, there's a lot of work in that brand you'll see around breast cancer, um, broader focus. Our, we have a broader focus initiative, which is focused on bringing more women behind the camera. So writers and directors, and that's been very successful. And we're also, you know, tying that into looking at women of color and how we increase those numbers. Um, one of the things, speaking about being very proud is, Last year, we launched a Voices Magnified initiative. This was a new initiative where we said there's a moment um, that we should be supporting voices of people that are doing things to move us forward in a positive direction. And so we focused on finding those people. What I love about the story in a multiple ways is, A, the work that was done by our teams, brilliant. Um, secondly, it was our teams. So we asked the employees, who do you want to see? This is the you know, we're trying to put forth positive voices. Who would you like to see? And so when people are seeing the voices magnified clips on air, those are employees. Those are employees who said, I know this person and let's let's focus them. So the employees are excited to see how they've had an impact. This group is also cross-functional. So it wasn't just the programming teams. In fact, it was some programming people, it's some people from marketing, it's some people from around the company. I'm one of the project managers of it, together with the chief of staff. So what's an HR person doing in this space? Um, and it was fun. And so we all had a lot of fun that way because we were learning from each other. Talk about generosity. I mean, when you people in programming that know this cold and they're taking the time to teach people, including myself, about how this business works and what do you look at and what's important, it's been a magnificent experience for everybody involved. So we're excited to keep them going. Incredible. So this voice is magnified. And can people find this content to enjoy it? Yes, you can always go on to um, our A&E sites and they'll we have a little link to our Voices Magnified and our corporate social responsibility initiatives and our diversity, equity and inclusion pages. So Excellent. OK, so individuals internally identify other potentially unsung heroes or people who they think are just magnificent and they say we need to magnify this voice. We want to hear more from this person. We want to learn about how they do what they do and just really celebrate them. Yes. And it's and it's. It's so fantastic to see that. And I would, there's also a long form component to it. So we have done specials on policing, uh, prison reform. Um, we're working on one in mental health. So we're also using the platform in a, in a longer way and in, in specials to really focus on particular issues. Uh, so I'm really excited because it, it shows the responsibility of a media company to make things better. I, I you can't as a media company not do so. Absolutely. I totally agree with that because that is something that affects people's minds and beliefs. And if they don't have exposure to that kind of content, how can anybody change, right? What, how, what else are they getting exposed to instead of that? And I love what you're saying too about bringing that diversity behind the camera and in front of the camera. So in all those different aspects and telling the story in only a way that A&E Networks can do, which is captivating and compelling. And, you know, you want to talk about it, you want everybody to watch it. So I think that it's using your strengths. It's really a matter of using your strengths. So you have a favorite mantra to speak truth to power. Help us understand where the, I, I agree with it completely. I want to know from Karen's perspective, what what does that mean? Yeah, you know, I came from my background. So I grew up and where I've lived has always been one of the few, if not only black people in the neighborhoods in which I grew up and in the schools in which I went, although there was much more diversity in college and law school. And my mom always taught me, she said, you know, you're going to be the only, so you've got to learn how to speak up 
um, to stand up for yourself, but to do it in a way that's respectful because shouting out somebody that turns them off is not helpful to them or to you. Uh, and so I have taken that and I give great, great um, thanks to my mother for setting me off in this path of learning how to be an independent voice. I think sometimes we often look, I can't speak unless I'm in a, this massive group of people, but the power of the individual voice is actually quite powerful. And so I take that in, in the work, uh, in my personal life, to give, to try to give strong and effective feedback, uh, not only to help myself, but to help others. Um, and, and so that's why I love that phrase. I do too. Could you share an example of a time when you needed to speak truth to power? <laughs> this which one I've been just trying to think which one I want to pick that's appropriate for a podcast. Um, um, so look, I would say, um, I have been at places where the diversity, equity, inclusion work was more, um, at the beginning stages. And being able to say to people, you're looking at something through your lens, which is I respect because you come from the background you come from and there, there you've had the opportunities you've had to learn, but there is another lens out here. And so when you are doing certain things um, that have an effect on people of color, or if you are not being thoughtful, if we see a lot of people leaving, um, why is this happening? Why is this particular group leaving in this area? And and I, I if I have to go to the CEO and past jobs, I've gone to the CEO and, and just had the conversation and said, you know, this conversation has led to um, people feeling rightfully disenfranchised. And how are we going to do it better? And we have to do it better going forward. And that's not so easy to do to pick up the phone. Um, and again, I always say this is prior jobs because it's really easy now. Um, but in prior jobs, it wasn't always easy to pick up the phone and, and call a CEO directly and say, we've got to get better at this. Um, but when you think, I feel really bad and I was in this meeting and I'm pretty senior and there are other junior people and how much worse again, how much worse must it feel for them? Then it makes it easier for me to pick up the phone because I feel like I have an obligation. I, I wouldn't feel good walking out of a meeting. Um, where I knew other people had been negatively impacted and just go on about my day and turn on the TV. So when we recognize those things, which all of us will, right? If we're paying attention, we will recognize those things, even in the best culture. And it's our responsibility to circle back with the individual who was treated badly or who you perceive was being disrespected or, or if you're that person, you know, who's an appropriate person for you to talk to about that. And to try to find a way to have a productive, professional, kind conversation that's honest, that is, I, I love that speak truth to power because you're speaking truth. You know, you're not judging someone, you're not labeling people, you're not criticizing them, you're speaking your truth and how you feel is your truth. So you can't deny somebody that. Yes. And look, I think what makes it harder now, there, is, there are still the obvious macro. I mean, we spend a lot of time talking about unconscious bias. There's still plenty of conscious out there, which is extraordinarily horrible. But so much in life is the is the the microaggression. And that is what makes it so, so hard. But what I would say, there are enough people out there who've experienced it that there are people that can advise you and help you. Um, and you know, playing that role with people to say like, I've been through this. So let's talk about how we can get through this together. And we need to make people aware of what we're recognizing for all of us, because I think we're all on the journey. I'm so glad that you found a and &E Networks and they found you and that, you know, you get to bring those strengths together and like that ripple effect is exponential. So thank you, Karen, for investing your time and energy and sharing your talent with us. Thank you so much. It's been wonderful to speak with you. Thank you. Thank you. 
ROG Takeaway Tip, how to apply what we've learned to our own work and lives. Karen encourages us to find new, innovative, productive, and effective ways to communicate. Most, if not all, company surveys have the same main area of weakness, communication. What are ways that you can communicate more clearly, frequently, and collaboratively this week? Feedback. Feedback has been described as a gift and a muscle. How in shape are you? Willing to get stronger? Give feedback. What's something fantastic that someone has done this week? Tell them specifically what you appreciate and recognize. Where has someone demonstrated behavior that's in conflict with a team agreement or just not good form? Tell them specifically what you observed and the impact that it made. Think of every day at work as an opportunity for reps to get stronger every day and every week. Kindness. The way Karen and a and describe kindness is spot on the mark. It's not soft, sweet, and tolerant. Kindness is the willingness to speak, change, influence, and lead. What's an opportunity in your organization to offer kindness? Generous leaders act with kindness as a force for good. Some other things Karen shared to consider modeling in your own workplace, inclusion. How can you create space for more voices to be heard? And when we recognize an opportunity to speak truth to power, have the direct conversation and focus on being productive, professional, and kind. Measure what matters. What metrics do you use and what's the goal? How do you know that you're making progress? And lastly, your culture is your business. So until next week, create a culture of kindness and stay generous, everyone. Thanks for listening to ROG, Return on Generosity podcast. Please help us grow by subscribing and reviewing us on your favorite podcast player. And for more information, visit bridgebetween.com. We grow when we give. We grow when we give. We grow when we give.